We've been working for the last few weeks and, and looking at uh, who we are in Christ. And uh, we've looked at a lot of different things. And, and as I was, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, to, to speak to a, a group of believers. And God really spoke, He spoke more to my heart as I spoke to them than, than what I spoke to them. Does that make sense? He, he spoke to me through them. Maybe that's the way to put it. And so uh, uh, I just begin to think on this, and, and I'm going to share a passage of Scripture in a few minutes, and we're just going to look at, at a part of being our, our, our identity is, is we get to be a gift to God. We get to be that. We don't have to be that. We, we have an opportunity. It's a, it's a privilege that we get. So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're, we're all familiar with the gift that God has given us as believers. And that's, why, that's why we even have a radical idea, is the fact that, that, that God so loved us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. He loved us. I, I like to personalize that. He loved Nelson. He loved Mitch. loved John. Love Brian. Love Kathy. He loved us so much that he gave his, his only begotten son. It was out of his great love that God gave Jesus to us. And he, the interesting thing is he didn't give us something that he had created. I want you to think about that. God didn't give us something that he had created. He gave us himself. He didn't make something for us. He gave us himself. He gave us Himself as a gift, a gift that provides salvation. It provides a new quality of life, of abundance, and a length of life with the idea of eternality. It was a demonstration of His unconditional love. God gives every person the opportunity to receive that gift of salvation. I believe that. Now, I've had people say, well, what about this and what about that? I have, I've come to, to learn that if a person is truly seeking after God, they may not know what that God's name is, but if they are truly seeking after God, God will reveal Himself to that person in the way that they need to know so that they can meet Him. I have some friends and, and have heard this testimony several times. They're, 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 uh, missionaries in in the Middle East over in in uh, the Arab world and it's it's amazing how many Muslims are having dreams and Jesus is coming to them in their dreams and he's revealing himself not as Allah but as Jehovah God and and then they begin to seek out somebody who can explain what's going on so I, I truly believe that 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 it's not we who seek God God seeks us but I truly believe that if a man or a woman is hungry for God, that God will reveal Himself. And that's, that's what He did for us in Jesus Christ. He gave us the gift of salvation. You see, love always gives. If, if you don't give, then you don't love. Okay? It's impossible to give without loving, and it's impossible to love without giving. They, they go together. They work together. I love giving and receiving gifts. Now, I was going to say I love giving gifts, okay? But the re reality is I like to get them just as much as, as I, I like to, to give them. And, and I would assume most of you do too. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, that's a part of gift giving is, is you give, but you don't give to to get, okay, and I don't mean that, and I'll talk a little bit about that, but I love giving and receiving gifts, the anticipation and the excitement of what might be hiding under the bows and the ribbon and the paper and all that kind of stuff, just, it, it, it's a thrill for me, right? now I take my time when I open up, my family gets after me and they, they go, open them up, tear them, it's just paper, tear but I kind of, my daddy used to do that, he, he'd take forever, he'd get his pocket knife and cut every little piece of tape and all that stuff, and and it was just, you know, you're just like this. And, and so I'm, 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 I'm somewhat that way. But, I, I, you know, I rip off the paper finally and, and, and I go for those contents. And, you know, every gift has a, has a special characteristic. But all of them have a car characteristic in common. And that is, every gift, say, is a tangible way of saying, I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, you're special. 
You know, gifts come wrapped in all kinds of paper with all kinds of bows attached. I've, I've received gifts that were even wrapped in comic uh, the, from, the, from the comic book page in, in the newspaper or Sunday paper. And so they, I've also received them that, that came in, in fairly expensive paper. But you know what? The wrappings are not the gift. Now, how many of you have ever watched a, a, a child that's under the age of two? You know, I mean, when, we, when our granddaughter was born, man, we had all that first Christmas. I mean, there were so many gifts, we couldn't find her. Okay, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And you know what thrilled her the most? Out of all those gifts from, from, from Papa and, and, and Tats and, and Meemaw and, 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 and Pop and, and Daddy and Mama, it was the bows and the wrapping paper. I mean, she, she could care less what's in the box. But, you know, as you get older, it's, it, she started doing this. She'd look at it, throw it overhead, go the next one. That's what a gift is. A gift is what's in the wrapping. The wrappings are not the gifts. A gift is, is usually given without any expectation of receiving anything in return. It's, it's an act of unconditional love that's voluntarily given. You know what? Gifts can't be coerced. Now, they can be, but they cease to be gifts. And they become really uh, bribes to soothe somebody's guilty conscience. So uh, a gift is given with no expectation of anything in return. A gift is usually very personal, and it's given to usually benefit one person. You know, you don't, you don't give gifts to a crowd. You, you can, but typically we give gifts to people. We, we seek out that very special thing that has meaning to that person, and we give them that gift. Uh, most gifts are costly. They require some sacrifice, some time, some effort, and some money to, to get the, the unique gift that you want to give. And, 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 and we do that because we know that that gift will bring that person joy. We know that they'll get a thrill out of it. Now, a wonderful aspect, as I mentioned earlier, of our radical identity in Christ is the privilege of, of being a gift that's designed for God by God. He designed every one of us to be a gift to Him. But... He doesn't demand that we be a gift. It's a choice that we make. Now, I know uh, plenty of people, and, and you do too, that, uh, that they're not interested in, in being a gift to God. They simply want what God can give them. Uh, I've been like that at times. I, I would imagine if we were all honest, we've all done that. We've all been selfish like that. But it's a privilege... To, to be a gift to God. It's, it's, I want to say this again. It's not that we have to. It's that we get to. You realize this morning, it's not that we have to worship. It's that we get to worship. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. You don't have to be here. We get to be here. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Yes, there's some responsibility, but it's a privilege. It's something that we make a choice to do. God doesn't coerce it. God doesn't demand it. God didn't give us the, the gift of eternal life and put a thousand demands on us, okay? He just basically said, you know how much I love you? Let me show you. This is my son, Jesus. He's going to die for you. God said everything he needed to say through Jesus when it comes to love. And yet we get the opportunity to be a matchless, priceless gift that we can give to God every day. See, it's a choice not just once, but it's every day. It Really, it's moment by moment, whether we do it or not. And the reason sometimes we, we don't desire or we don't endeavor to be that gift that that sometimes we forget where we came from. It's easy to forget where you came from. It's easy to forget what we were involved in. It's easy to forget the, the ravages of sin that, that had uh, wrecked our life. If you came to Christ as a child, it's, it's really easy to forget what it was like before you became a Christian. 
It, it's, 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 sometimes it's easy to forget bondages that we're trapped, we were trapped in. We, we forget that feeling of hopelessness and despair that maybe we were drowning in. Sometimes we, we, we've been Christians so long that we forget even what it was like to have been a sinner. We forget. And because we forget, we kind of lose touch. We, we get encased in, I call it a Christian cocoon. We kind of spin ourselves into this world where everything's okay, everything's cool. You know, I've got a little trouble here, but God will take care of it. Uh, and, and what happens is we, we, we forget about the pain that we once had, or literally we can forget about the pain that we're, we have right now if we can cocoon ourselves farther, far enough in. We wrap ourselves tight enough with those things. And what happens is we become selfish. And we become selfish not just in our thinking, but in our prayers. And you know how we pray? God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Instead of, God, use me. You know what? God will bless us. We, we have that promise. But God wants to use us. The only way he can use us if we're willing to allow him to use us. So today I want to challenge you. And I want to challenge me as well. When I say you, I'm talking to me as well. I want to challenge us to become what we were designed to be. I want to challenge us. Uh, I don't want to guilt us out. This is not a, this is not a sermon to create guilt. I, I just, I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't, I'm just not going to do those kind of things. It's designed, though, to liberate us, to be all that God intended us to be. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever dreamed of doing something for God? Have you ever dreamed of that? I think most of us have. But maybe you've got a lot of dreams. Now, maybe some of them haven't come true. But I want to give you a, a couple of things, and then we'll get on into this. One of the keys to to doing that, to becoming what God, what, what you'd like to be in, in Christ and, and do the things that, that God's called us to be. One of the ways to do that is stop worrying about the purpose, that purpose, whatever that thing is, and, and preparing yourself so that when you get there someday, you can actually do it. Just start doing it. Just start right where you are and quit worrying about, well, I've got to do this and I've got to get here and I've got to know this much information. I've got to be able to quote this many Bible verses. Forget that stuff. I've got to be good enough. Forget that stuff. Stop worrying about that stuff. And wherever you're at, just do what God's called you to do. Some, one other thing is to simply give all that you are to God right now. Give everything to Jesus. Everything. I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning because, you know, when we talk about giving our life to Christ, we say that and we mean something else. Because uh, we, we, we give our life to Christ, whether we realize or not, we give Him everything. He takes everything. But we don't necessarily give Him everything. And so this morning, I'm going to encourage you to, I'm going to challenge you a little bit, that if there's an area in your life that, uh, that you haven't given to Christ, I'm going to challenge you to give it to Him today. I want you to remember this. A gift, if you give a gift to get a gift, what you gave is not a gift. If we give Christ ourselves to get His blessings, what we're doing is we're trying to bribe God. Does that make sense? I'm looking at some of you and you're kind of looking at me blank. We give ourselves because we love Him. He gave His Son Jesus. He gave Himself because He loved us. And so, unconditional love always gives without expecting anything in return. I want to show you a biblical example of what I'm talking about this morning. And it, it, to me, it's one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 7. And uh, it... We're going to look at uh, verse 36, and I'm going to read verse 36 through uh, verse 39 this morning, and we'll look at some other passages. But I'm going to give you four principles this morning, just four things that you can write down and take away from here. But this story is, is the, the context of this story is that uh, a Pharisee that Jesus, Jesus knew had invited him to eat, 
uh, at a banquet that he was holding. So what we're looking at in this passage is, is a very lavish dinner party, okay, that's been thrown, and Jesus is the guest of honor. And it's a, it's a kind of a, a wealthy to-do Pharisee that's invited him in, and they're reclining around the table. And, and most of us have seen pictures of the Lord's Supper where they're all at one big long table. That's not really how they ate in Mideastern culture. They had low tables about this high, and they lay on their side with their hand under their uh, head or their ear, and they would they would eat. And the get the the, the host would would be here, and the guest of honor would be next to him. And then your uh, prestige or whatever, your place of honor descended down from that. And so Jesus is, is seated next to Simon. I, think, I believe his name is Simon, the Pharisee. And he's seated next to him. He's, he's reclining next to him, and they're eating. And so this, this passage <coughs> arises. It says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, there was a one. And anytime you see and behold, it's like, okay, we need to pay attention. There's something fixing to, to take place here. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining, when Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were the prophet, if this man were the prophet, what he's saying there is if this man really were the Messiah, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him, that she's a sinner. Now, I mentioned earlier that the best gifts always come unexpectedly. They come out of nowhere. And one just arrives out of nowhere at this dinner party. And you think, well, how in the world did she get in? Well, in that day, when they threw these parties, the guests would eat and and everybody else in the village that was interested would come and they would stand around the walls. And they would watch. It was a big social event. And so if you wanted to come, you were welcome to. But if you were not an invited guest, you had to stand against the wall and you had to be really quiet. You could be seen but not heard. Does that make sense? So the doors are open. Anybody that wanted had access. And so what happens is the guests are are reclining around the table. They're eating. And all of a sudden... The party's in full swing, and all of a sudden this woman slips in. Now, Scripture says that she was a sinner. Okay, We're not completely sure what it was, but it's very likely that she was a prostitute. And in her culture, she was the worst of the worst. She was the least of the least. The gutter doesn't get any lower than, than the position she held. And so the party's in full swing, and all of a sudden she slips in. And she, did, she slipped in. She did not make a big entrance. She, just, she found herself at the feet of Jesus against the wall. Now, put yourself in that dinner party. I'm sure there were some people whose head just kind of, you know, turned around and around and around, and their eyes got big, and and they just they couldn't believe it that uh, that that she was here. And I'll guarantee you, some of them didn't spare words. They said what they thought, and they said things that that she'd heard every day out in public. I mean, when she went out in public, you know, she could hear the whispers. She she could she could feel their eyes. And so with contempt and with hatred, you know, they kind of begin to, to whisper, and they probably made some crude comments, and yet here she is. You see, the people there that day, all they saw was the wrappings of a prostitute. They, they saw the bow and the paper that was wrapped around this gift. They didn't see the gift. They didn't see the heart of this person. 
But Jesus saw something. He saw the devotion of this woman's heart. You know, we don't need to judge the crowd too harshly because we often judge people by the way they're dressed or by the way they look or from the side of town they come from or the color of their skin. You know, the wrappings. We, we judge them by their history. Maybe, maybe it's known that they were abused or, or they were, were, were drug addicts or they were alcoholics or, or they have some kind of sickness or disease. We, we tend to judge very easily the wrappings that a person wears. But I love what this woman does. She doesn't care. Okay, and that's principle number one. Don't work. Give. That's the first thing. Give and don't worry about what people will think of you. I, I can't imagine what the folks there must have thought that day when she came in. Now she, I don't know how long she had been there. I don't know exactly uh, what she did for a while, but but it wasn't very long till all of a sudden she began to weep, and she she begins to weep silently. I mean, she I, the Bible doesn't say that that she was wailing. It just says she was weeping, tears. I mean, she was she was you know. I mean, you, you've seen people cry. You've probably cried. Okay, and and what happens is those tears begin to fall on Jesus' feet. She doesn't care. It's just her and Jesus. You know, it's not what people think or say about you that defines who you are. I'm going to say that again. It's not what people think or say about you that defines who you are. God defines who every one of us are. There's two categories. We're either saved or lost. We're either His child or we belong to the devil. That's it. And yet we worry so much about what He thinks or she thinks or they think or what they'll say down at so-and-so or at the cafe or at work or, you know, wherever. We're so consumed about what everybody else thinks. If you allow others to define you, you'll never get where both you and God want to go. Those labels will limit you if you're not careful. And so this woman, she she was labeled scum by her society, okay? I mean that's that's I mean that's a nice way to, to say what they labeled her as. She was she was basically worthless. But she didn't succumb to that label. She reached out to Jesus with all her heart. She gave and she didn't worry about what other people thought. And folks, if, if we don't learn to give and forget about everybody else and just give ourselves, we'll never get anywhere. We'll always be concerned about what he thinks or she thinks or what that one said or this one said. Listen to me. Give and don't worry about what people think or say. Now, principle number two. Give in response to the grace you have received. Now, I find it really interesting that this woman has no name. Now, I think everybody knew her name. Okay, I mean, this wasn't a big community. It wasn't a big town. It wasn't a metropolis area with hundreds of thousands of people. They all knew her name. I think Jesus knew her name. But for whatever reason, her name is not mentioned in the text. There there are other people like that in Scripture. The woman at the well. Her name's not mentioned. Uh, There there are men whose names are not mentioned. You know why? Because those people could be us and we could be them. So it really doesn't matter that her name's not mentioned here. That could be me. That could be you. And I think that's one of the reasons that the name's not mentioned. But what she did is mentioned. And so this, she comes, and, and it, it's my belief that she'd already met Jesus prior to this. And that in the, the previous meeting 
when they encountered one another, that, that she had been given the grace of forgiveness and, and, and God had restored her. In other words, her past was her past. And she wasn't living the rest of her life looking in the rearview mirror. Her past was past. She was acting at that moment out of a really deep sense of gratitude. And she was, she was giving according to the grace that she'd already received. Listen to what Jesus says later in the story in, in Luke chapter 7, verse 47 through 48. He's, he's talking to, to Simon there, to the Pharisee, and he says, For this reason I say to you, her sins which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Have been forgiven. Have been forgiven. You see, it wasn't the gift that she was giving God at that very moment, the gift that she was pouring out on His feet with her tears and, and, and with the perfume. It was, that wasn't what saved her. It was an encounter that she had had prior to this. You see, have been forgiven is in a tense in the Greek, which means an action was completed in the past, but the results of that action continue on into the future. So it's the same idea as tetelestai. It is finished when Jesus said on the cross. What was finished? The payment of salvation, and it continues. The benefits continue in the future. This woman had met Jesus prior to this dinner party. And somehow, some way in that encounter, he had forgiven her. He had washed away her sins, and she had come to know, know him in a, in, a, in a different way. Hebrews 8.12, in, in the New Living Translation, and I'm not sure that's what will come up because I can't remember if that's what I sent, but okay. But here's what it says in the New Living Translation. And I will, God says, and I will forgive their wickedness, their sins, and I will never remember their sins again. You know what? She hadn't forgotten her past. Her past always traveled with her. It was a part of, of, of who she was, but her past was no longer her master. So she could have cared less what everybody else thought. She refused to live life looking backwards. She decided to go after life. And so out of the grace that she'd been given, she begins to pour out that gift. And Jesus had given her the gift of new life. He'd given her eternal life. And now her only mission, her sole mission, was to honor Him. It was, it was to be a gift to Him. So give, and don't worry about what people think or say. Give in response to the grace you've, been, you've received. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hands this morning, okay? But if you know Christ as your Savior, what kind of gift have you been given? You see, we were destined... Every one of us, destined and doomed to go to hell. Every one of us. We deserved it. I know that's, you know, people don't like that and that, that offends our uh, whatever, but that's reality. We were all wicked. And yet Jesus Christ died for us. And He gave us eternal life. The gift that we have been given, folks, is a gift beyond belief. It's, a, it's, it's grace that we didn't deserve, that we could never merit, that we couldn't gain on our own. And yet, God gave it to us freely. And so, when I give myself back to God, I'm reminded of the grace that was given me. And you know what? That's how I'm supposed to give. I'm to give out of that grace. You know, when you, when you really begin to think about that, you won't really be worried about what other people say or think. So, give in response to the grace you've received. Principle number three, give extravagantly. I'm gonna, I put it this way, go big or don't go at all, okay? Either give something that's worth something or just, you know, it'd be better if you don't give. You ever needed to buy a gift for someone you really loved and really didn't have enough money? It's okay to raise your hand. 
and you realize, you know what? I'm going to have to get some more money because what I can afford is really not enough. That's the situation here. And I want you to, I want you, we're going to, we're going to spend a little time here because this is really the, the, the meat of the story. But give extravagantly. If you're going to give yourself to Jesus as a gift, give Him everything. Don't hold anything back. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 38. And standing behind Him, standing behind Jesus at His feet, weeping, she began to wet His feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing His feet and anointing with perfume. This woman gave everything that she had. She invested everything. She invested her anonymity. You know what? It would have been okay for the most part if she just slipped in there and stood quietly against the wall and never drew any attention to herself. But you know what? She stepped out of the shadows. She gave away her anonymity. She gave away the safety of, of, of you know, just kind of being there but not being noticed. She stepped out of the shadow. She stepped out of the background. And, and she stepped out of that place she felt safe in. You know what? Trying to stay safe will keep you from giving yourself to Jesus Christ. It's not safe when you give a gift. How many of you realize that? You ever gotten one that you didn't really want? You ever given one that wasn't really wanted? Or you were more excited about than the other person was. We, we've all done. So we all know what that feels like. Okay, this woman steps out and, and, and she begins to give herself. And she has no clue how it's going to be received. Now, if the crowd had been in charge, they'd all taken up rocks and stoned her. But that's not what Jesus did. She stepped out of that safe place. So she invested who she was. She invested her emotions as well. Her weeping in this passage is a, it's kind of a, it's a relief, I mean, a release of the thanksgiving that's at Swinner. It's not that she's sad. It's that she's overjoyed. It, this, this is joy coming up from her soul, her spirit. This is not just, you know, I, I feel good. This is, you know what, I'm free. I'm free. I'm clean. I'm pure. I'm holy. And, and so she begins to weep and, 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 and she gives her emotion. She, she doesn't worry about what everybody thinks. She, she releases that thanksgiving. She, she, she does it in, 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 in public. She, you know, most people when they weep, they don't want other people to see them. She could have cared less. It was just her and Jesus in that crowded room that day. And so she, she invested her, her, her emotions. She invested her dignity. She let her hair down, okay? Now, you may think, well, what's the big deal? Well, the only people that wore their hair down in this culture were prostitutes, okay? And she didn't just weep on Jesus. She didn't just cry. These weren't just tears falling from her eyes. She saw the, the tears that had fallen on His feet, and she knelt down at His feet and begin to wipe his... If you just look at this and read this in real world, instead of, okay, this is Jesus, this is God. If you just kind of read this as just a... This is kind of... This is pretty intimate picture here, okay? I mean, it's... I mean, I'm just kind of imagine myself on the other end of this gift and, and what I would have done. She, she just, she, she turns loose her dignity. She, she, she uses her hair and she uses it as a towel to wipe Jesus' feet. She invested not just her, her, her emotions. She invested not just her dignity. She invested her heart. Now, she's wept on His feet. She's wiping His feet with her hair. All of a sudden, she starts kissing His feet. I don't know what, what your picture of this is, but, but here's the deal. It, the passage says she kissed his feet repeatedly without ceasing. That's what the word means. She just didn't kiss once. She just continued to kiss. She continued to weep. She continued to wipe. So she's, she's invested her heart. She invests her finances. And uh, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, she had a little alabaster vial around her neck. And in it was 
a perfume. And this was probably her bank account, okay? This was her savings. This was her nest egg. This was what she would use if she got kicked out of the place she was living and had nobody to take care of her. This was worth some money. There are different values affixed to it, and, and nobody's sure what it is, but it was like a dowry around her neck. It was like a, a little checking account, savings account, I should say. And yet she breaks it open. She takes all this. This is all she has, okay? She doesn't live in a big, nice, fine house. She doesn't own a lot of property. She lives in the shadows, place to place. And so she takes the one thing she has that's of value, and she breaks it, and she pours it out over Jesus' feet. She invests financially. And then, when you put all this together, you'll see she invested all her energy. It's interesting, as you read this passage, the words all end in I-N-G. Weeping. Or standing. Weeping. Wiping. Kissing. Anointing. That, that word anointing means to rub. It doesn't just mean to dribble and sprinkle over. She, she poured out the, the, the vial, and then she began to, to massage and to work that oil into Jesus' feet. She's still weeping. She's still crying. You see the picture there? She gave everything that she had. She didn't hold anything back. Folks, real love gives. Gifts always cost the giver. And if it's a worthy gift, it costs the giver everything that the giver has. That's why the gift of salvation is such a valuable gift. It costs God everything that He had. It cost Him His Son. And that's why when we give back to God, we have to give ourselves. See, God doesn't... He, he, he doesn't really need our money. He really doesn't. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If you read the book of Revelation, they pave heaven's streets with gold. The, very, the most valuable thing in our culture, in our world, is gold, and He uses it for paving material in heaven. So He really doesn't need our money. But He wants us. I love what King David said over in First Chronicles chapter twenty-one, twenty-four. He's, he's God sent him up on top of, of the mountain. He's bought a threshing floor and he's bought this property and he, he's he's built an altar and or he's preparing to build an altar and the man who owns it all was willing to give it to him. And David says this says to Ornan the Jebusite. No, but I will surely buy it for full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which cost me nothing. Folks, if we're going to give God ourselves, which is really the only gift He wants, you know what? We have to do that. We can't offer Him anything else. Anything else is less than what He really wants. And it costs us nothing. You know what? We come to church on Sunday morning. It takes a little time, a little effort to get here. Amen? It really does. But it's, it's not life or death. You see, attendance at church is not the gift God wants. God wants us. And the only thing that will cost me is me. It's for me to invest all that I am in Him. So... We give extravagantly. Go bigger, we don't go at all. And the last principle. We give all, and then we rest in God's approval. All God wants is me or you. I've already said this several times, but He doesn't demand our money. He doesn't demand our job. He doesn't want our family or house. He doesn't want our hobbies. Here's the deal. If you give Him all of you, everything else will find its proper place. If He has all of you, you know what He'll have? He'll have all your time. He'll have all your money. 
He'll have your home. He'll have your family. He'll have everything you are because all of that's part of who you are. So he doesn't ask for those individual facets. He asks for all of us. He wants us. If you give all that you are, you know what? There's a peace that descends over you. I I can't explain it, but I know what it feels like. There's a peace that comes from it. This woman, in the midst of, of ministering to Jesus, she's at peace. She's not frantic. This is, this is an act of sacrifice, an act of worship. And I want you to listen to the words that Jesus speaks. He, he rebukes Simon the Pharisee. At the same time, he commends this woman. He gives her his approval. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 44 through 48, and then I'll read verse 50. And turning to the woman, this is after Simon had thought, well, if this guy's the prophet, you know, if he's really the Messiah, he'd know who this woman was, so he must not be. And so Jesus, instead of turning to Simon, it says, and turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, He's looking at the woman. He's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? Simon, look at her. Don't look above her. Don't look at that way. Don't cut your eyes. Look at her. I want you to see her for who she is. Not what you think she is, but who she is. Do you see this woman? And then Jesus begins to to wear him out. Okay, I entered your house... And you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears. It was very, I mean, it, was, it wasn't very common. It was customary. It was a, a custom. It was one that you didn't break. If you were, uh, if you were hospitable, and, and it's a big deal in the Middle East, even today, Arabs, Jews alike, hospitality is a key thing. When they invite you into their house, your house is, is their house. It's, it's mi casa, su casa. You know what I mean? My house is your house. And there were certain things that you did. And one of them was you provided some water and some towels so that your guests could wash their feet. Or you provided a servant to do that. You remember what Jesus did the night uh, before he was crucified? He washed the he took the, 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 the place of the lowest servant. The lowest servant washed feet. And so Simon didn't even provide a, a bottle, I mean, a, a, a bucket of water, a bowl of water, or any towels. He, he didn't even, the most common courtesy. Why did they need it? Because they walked everywhere they went. They wore sandals. Uh, when Kathy and I had the opportunity this time to go, to, we went to Petra in Jordan. And it's... It's it's a beautiful place. I mean, it's just an amazing place. But I, it, it dawned on me we were we were about three or four hours into this hike and this walk, and we were walking down some old ancient Roman ruins, and and some I don't know what the other group that lived there was the Nabataeans. Anyway, we're walking through all these ruins, and we're on a Roman road. And there are camels coming by, hauling tourists in and out, and there are donkeys coming by, hauling tourists in and out, and there's stuff everywhere. Okay, and there's dirt everywhere. And all of a sudden, it just dawned on me in that moment, this is what it was like. I mean, I grew up on the farm, so it's not like I hadn't seen any of this. But it dawned on me. I looked down, my, it's not, my shoes, I've got a, a, a dust cover on them about like this. Just red, reddish glue is what it's like. And so they walked everywhere they went. And, and this, exactly. So when you came to a person's home, now remember, they're reclining. Okay, so you got somebody here, but by the time you get around the table, you're not at their head anymore. You're at their feet, so it's important. Does that make sense? It's not a you know lesson on hygiene and hospitality, but it helps us understand why this is such a big deal. And so he goes, "I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she now you're going to see this you." Didn't, but she did. You're going to see this over and over and over in this passage. But she has wet my feet with her tears. In other words, she has sacrificed her tears to wet my feet. And she's wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a towel. She used her hair. 
Simon, you gave me no kiss. But since the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. Very common, it's still common today. That when when Arabs greet each other, Jews greet each other, they'll kiss themselves on the cheek. Now we get all wigged out about that, but that's just that's just the culture there. It was a, it was a greeting of respect and love and honor. And he says, Simon, you didn't give me the customary kiss on the cheek. Remember Judas? How did he betray Jesus? Kissed him. It was a very common thing. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. He continues on. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. They refreshed themselves by, by, by anointing themselves with oil. It was, it, it, it was just a part of the customary thing. It, it, re, it revived and it energized a person when that took place. Simon didn't do that. And then he says this, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. And then he says this, Your faith has saved you. Okay, it's, it's not her, her, her act. You see, all this took place. She placed her faith in Christ. She believed who He said He was. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Then listen to what He says. Go in peace. Folks, every time we give ourselves completely to God. We get the peace of God in return. It always comes. And, and he's not talking about peace sometimes like we talk about, an absence of, of conflict. He's talking about shalom. He's talking about the peace that, that brings wholeness and health, not just in our body, not just in our soul, but in our spirit. So it's, it's complete health. It's complete wholeness. Jesus lavishes on her. She pours out her tears. She pours out her perfume. And Jesus pours out His peace. He lavishes it on her. And He not only lavishes that peace, He commends her and approves her. Simon's not the only person who heard those words. The crowd heard it. They all heard it. She can rest. Jesus accepts it. See, her gift was not for the crowd. Her gift was for Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? I accept it. I accept it. And not only that, Jesus relished it. I think Jesus liked it. Because He could see this woman's heart. He could see her heart. And folks, when we give ourselves to God, He looks straight into us. And He sees our heart. You know what? If there's any other motive there other than just to worship Him and to love Him, it's wrong. And He sees it. I just love that Jesus uses this woman to teach a proud, arrogant, self-promoting Pharisee, somebody who was all about all the rules and regulations, he, he teaches this Pharisee a lesson in hospitality 101. You didn't, but she did. You didn't, but she did. You didn't, but she did. She get, You gave me no, she has. That's how he puts it. Folks, this woman gave Jesus everything that she was. She didn't worry about what everybody else thought. She just gave. She, she gave in response to the grace that she had been given. She gave extravagantly. She didn't hold anything back. When she left there, she was spent. Everything that she had had been given. You know what? She gave everything, and God gave her peace. I don't know what you're looking for this morning. I don't know what you're trying to to find this morning. I don't know what your situation is. But I'm just going to tell you something. Until you give yourself wholly over to God, you will not find the peace 
you're looking for. There's nothing that you have that you can't give Him. That if you give Him, He will reject. See, God won't open the package up and go, hmm, not really what I wanted. God will open that package and He'll do this with it. And then He'll give you what you need. But folks, it won't happen until you make that choice. You can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. You can kneel and pray till there are calluses on your knees. But until you give yourself completely to God, you'll never experience the peace I'm talking about. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about peace. The peace that comes because we have salvation. The peace that comes from giving back because we have been given much. Everything that we have belongs to God. That's what redemption means. Jesus bought us. And because He bought us, He could demand that we give Him everything, but He doesn't. He gives us that opportunity. He gives us that privilege. So this morning, I want to challenge you this morning. If there's anything in your life that you haven't given God, anything, you say, well, God God doesn't want this. God wants it. Because, see, God can take those things that, that have caused you so much pain and so much fear and so much shame, and He can shape them into something that can change your life. You know what Romans says, for all things, all things, work for the good of those that love Him and they are called according to His purpose. Sometimes God can take those terrible, tragic things that have happened in our lives and He can turn them when we give them to Him. He didn't cause them. Okay, I don't, I don't want you to hear me say that. He didn't cause them. He didn't send them so that they would happen. But He can take those things when I give them to Him and He can turn them. And they can go from, from, from a, a disastrous out cause to something good. Something that's beneficial. He can turn them. He can change them. And folks, that's what I'm talking about this morning when I talk about giving. Every morning when we get up, we get to choose. Do I give God myself for this day or do I plunge into it and see what can happen? God wants us to give ourselves as gift. It's a part of our identity. We get to do this. Lost people don't get to do this. People that know Christ get to do this. We get to be a gift to the omnipotent God who created everything every day. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we're just reminded, Lord, of a... Of a... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.